Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 67 of the podcast. This is the first in a series of three episodes that are going to focus on the ways in which we can use the raw material of our research to create the best possible settings and characters in our work. In this episode, we're going to focus on creating the setting of the story. This means the history of the world you've created, and it also means the setting for the story itself. In the next episode, we're going to focus on character. Again, that's the history of your character, their backstory, also who they are and how they engage with others in the story itself. And in the last of these three episodes, we're going to look at how to seed this information about characters and setting into your work so that readers learn what they need to learn, but that process doesn't disrupt the story. So for this episode, we're going to look at how all of the research that we may have collected can be applied to backstory and setting. And to do this first, we're going to look at the raw material of the setting, what it is and where we can find it. And then we're going to look at some questions about the story and its environment that we need to ask. Finally, we're going to bring them all together, the raw material and the questions that we've asked, and we're going to create a rich backstory and a compelling setting for the work itself. So first of all, let's recap on the kind of raw material research that we need for our work and where we can find it. Now, my list of sources would include experience and imagination, and I'd probably put that first. Using your own experiences and embellishing them with your imagination to conjure up the different settings you need. When you think about those settings and when you think about the kind of scenes that you might use in your story, question those things as you imagine them. What is the sensory impact of them? What about things like climate and economy? What about the smells and the colours, the details of the place? What's the place like in the evening? What about in the morning? What is its history? Imagine as much as you can, as vividly as you can. The next source is things like the internet and books and other sources of mainly factual knowledge. What do you need to know to make your environments convincing? To make even people who know about these places believe in them? Perhaps you need to consult with some experts. Which experts would you go to to help you support the process of creating a convincing world? The next source Think of some of the places you've visited. What are the details that struck you? Are there any pieces of that experience that can inform your story? What was the cultural feel of the place? Have you been able to access the community activities of a group? How did people eat? How did they celebrate? How did they go about their daily lives? And then we can focus more on the individuals. Have you spoken to particular individuals, perhaps just in conversation or even intentionally in interview? What was the cultural and social outlook of those people, especially people who are different from you? So you see, there's a lot for us to take in when we start to think about all these different sources of research. And it's helpful to think of there being two different kinds of research for setting. First, there's knowledge research. And I'm thinking here about books and experts and the internet. These sources are best used to find out facts, how things work, where things are, dates, statistics, the objective facts that will underpin your backstory and your work. So for example, if you want to set your story on a planet that can sustain life around a star, and let's say you choose the star Sirius, you need to know how far that planet should be from the star to create a warm and habitable environment for life. If you put that planet in the wrong place, You can't then tell a story in which the temperature is a kind of pleasant 25 to 28 degrees Celsius because people who know about these things will know that you've got it wrong and they will immediately leave the story. If you write a story involving Winston Churchill and say that he has three children, 
people will quickly find out that actually you've got it wrong because he had five children and not just the people who spot the mistake. They will go and tell others. So getting your facts right is really important because these facts are the cradle which support both your story and the reader. If your reader doesn't trust your facts, they won't feel convinced about your story and they'll probably go away. The second kind of research is what I call experiential research. This involves you engaging with other people, visiting places, absorbing and experiencing the culture, maybe looking at things like rituals, celebrations, festivals, communities. It means talking to people purposefully with a view to understanding how they think and live, especially people who are not like you. You can explore issues like how do those people feel about aspects of history? What do they hope for? How do they find their identity? What music do they listen to? And what other art forms are they involved in? What are their values? And all of this experiential research is so valuable because it helps you really understand who people are. And as a result, your work will be more authentic. Now, this is why, for example, the writer Ian MacDonald always visits countries that he's going to write about in his novels. He did it with a visit to Turkey when he was going to write The Dervish House. He did it with a visit to Brazil when he was going to write Brazil. And he did it with a visit to India when he was going to write River of Gods. Now, it's particularly important with this experiential research that we approach the issue of researching the other carefully and respectfully. And by the other, I mean other people, other cultures, other beliefs, anything and anyone that is not like us. Now, I explored this issue in some depth with Nisi Shaw and Daniel Jose Older in episode 60 of the podcast, and I'd encourage you to listen to what they have to say in that conversation if you haven't already done so. And in discussing research for settings in other podcasts, I've emphasised the need to respect the people and the environment that you're looking at. Now, this is important for lots of reasons. First of all, it's just right to be respectful to people who you're engaging with to do your research. It's just naturally a right thing to do. Secondly, a respectful approach is more likely to get you the material you need and improve the quality of your work. Now, to illustrate all of this, I want to actually play a few comments from that episode, episode 60. And this is the writer Nisi Shaw talking about how we should approach the process of borrowing from and finding out about other cultures for our work. And in particular, Nisi is concentrating on the need for us to understand how these cultural processes and practices come into being. Now, this is not simply about being respectful. It's also about producing good work. If we don't understand these processes, if we don't understand the stories that we're telling, or if we just decide to perhaps mix different cultures together in a haphazard and random fashion, then we won't have an authentic setting. This is what Nisi says. I think you're actually talking about a second thing when you're talking about this sort of salad bar approach to Mm. culture, you know. I'll have a little bit of Aztec, you know, I'll have a little bit of Nippon, you know, (laughs) and that is a a separate issue, which when I'm talking about it with students, I'm generally saying there is sort of a backstory for any uh, cultural icon or any cultural process that you want to borrow. And what you need to do is really think about and research and examine what caused there to be, say, an exam system for the civil bureaucracy of China Mm -hmm. and what supported that. Uh, Because if you have just that one thing in isolation, you have fakeness. So a thoughtful and thorough approach to our research will help us to build an authentic setting and an authentic backstory. 
There are lots of ways to collect the raw material we need, but somehow we have to take all of this stuff and use it both to build our backstory and to develop the setting for the story itself. And to do that, we have to ask some questions. Now, I think there are two fundamental questions that we can start with in this process. The first is, what is the story about? And the second is, what kind of environment does the story require? Let's look at that initial question first. What is the story about? Now, one good way to answer that question is to actually give it three answers, one in 15 words, another in 50 words, and yet another in 300 words. And as an example of this, let's think about the folktale Jack in the Beanstalk. Now, to start with, I want to summarise this story in just 15 words. Here it is. A beanstalk leads Jack to a giant's house. He steals money and kills the giant. Now that 15 word summary gives us the very barest idea of what happens and it mentions just a couple of the characters involved. Here, by contrast, is the 50 word summary. A boy called Jack sells his mother's cow for some beans which she throws out in disgust. The beans grow into a beanstalk which reaches up to a giant's house. Jack climbs up to the house and the giant tries to eat him. He steals the giant's money and kills him. In this summary, we have a bit more of a feel, not only for the story, but also the environment and the relationships. And here's the 300 word summary. Jack is a young boy living with his widowed mother and a milk cow who is their only source of income. When the cow stops giving milk, Jack's mother has Jack take the cow to market to be sold. On the way, he meets an old man who offers him some magic beans in exchange for the cow and Jack agrees to the trade. When he arrives home with the beans, his mother becomes furious and throws the beans into the garden. Overnight, a gigantic beanstalk grows and Jack climbs it to a land high in the sky. There he comes to a castle that is the home of a giant. He asks asks at the front door for food and the giant's wife takes him in. When the giant returns, he smells a human nearby but doesn't find Jack. So instead, he decides to count his money. When he eventually falls asleep, Jack steals a bag of gold coins and makes his escape down the beanstalk. Jack returns up the beanstalk twice more. Each time he's taken in by the giant's wife, although by now she's growing a bit suspicious of him, and he learns about other treasures in the giant's house, which he then proceeds to steal. First of all, a goose that lays golden eggs, then a harp that plays by itself. However, as he's trying to steal it, the harp cries out to his master as Jack runs off with it and the giant chases Jack down the beanstalk. When Jack is back on solid ground, he calls to his mother for an axe and before the giant reaches the ground, Jack cuts down the beanstalk, causing the giant to fall to his death. Jack and his mother then live happily ever after with their riches that Jack stole. Now, with these different tellings of the story, we get a better understanding each time of the plot and the environment. And there are some related questions here that can help us with this process. One, for example, is this. What is the engine of the story? That is, what is it that drives the tension, the interest in the story and the motivation of the characters? Now, in this case, we have the tension between Jack's desire for money and the giant's anger and his desire to eat Jack. So it's that dynamic between Jack and the giant which drives the story through. Now, if you've outlined your plot in some other way, you can also use those plot points to drive the questions you want to ask. So, for example, you might have used the six-stage story process that I've presented in the past to give your story an overview. So now we have a storyline, a summary of what happens, and it's time to think about what kind of environment we need. And that was the second question that I asked. What kind of environment does the story require? Now, this question covers specifics like climate and geography, the feel of the setting, whether it's in a rural or urban environment. Maybe it's set in a stately home. Perhaps it's in a castle or a palace, a city or a village. Now, this question also covers things like mood and atmosphere. The story does not exist in isolation from these things. And you'll want your research and raw material to inform this environment as you create the story. 
When you come to apply your research to these questions, you should try to think about how the story and the environment can complement each other. Now, I want to give you a number of examples of this to show you what I'm talking about. You may be able to think of some of your own as well. First of all, if we take Ursula Le Guin's book, The Left Hand of Darkness, now that is set on a wintry, cold planet, and this environment affects and informs the story. In N.K. Jemison's book, The Fifth Season, the geological upheavals of the planet that the story is based on inform the culture and workings of the people, as well as the storyline. So I would have expected any research which Ursula Le Guin did into the nature of cold conditions on a planet to inform both the environment that she created there and the story itself. And also, I would have expected any research that N.K. Jemison had done on geology and seismic activity to inform both the environment and the story that she was writing. As another example, think about the majesty and wonder and beauty and harshness of J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth as a backdrop and a complement to all of the stories in Tolkien's Middle Earth series. Also, you've got an example in Alia de Bodard's book, The House of Shattered Wings, which presents us with a fantastical world of magic and Parisian decay. For a more traditional example, we have the grandeur of Pemberley in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, which complements the engine of the story, which of course is the attraction and tension between Darcy and Elizabeth. If we look at Harry Potter, we can see lots of examples of this as well. The plot is greatly enriched by the settings of the story, the grandeur and mystery of Hogwarts, the homeliness of the Weasley's house, the mix of commerce and magic in Diagon Alley. I hope you can see from these examples that great works of literature have wonderful settings that complement and enrich the story. Now these settings and their backstory are fed by all of the research and raw material and background information that those authors have gathered. So let's now bring it all together and try to use the raw material of our research with our thinking about plot and also our thinking about the environment of the story and the backstory. I think the best way to approach this is to start with perhaps broad headings for the settings that you need for your story. So take your plot outline and write down the very broadest areas. Now from there we can work down to specific locations and scenes. And for those big ideas, you can look at how the raw material of your research and imagination can inform aspects like politics, culture, natural environment and climate, economy, social class and religion. Perhaps the development of civilizations and people groups and also the development of alliances and conflicts. And from these broad areas of setting, you can work down a hierarchy to more and more specific places. Let me give you some examples. In The Lord of the Rings, our hierarchy might start with Middle-earth, and from there we would go down to Mordor or the Shire, and even from there we can break it down further. In Mordor we have the Cracks of Doom, we have Barad-dûr. In the Shire we've got Hobbiton and Buckland and West Farthing. The story outline helps you to identify what that hierarchy is, what the scenes and settings are that you need to enrich and inform. As you bring your raw material into those places, it gives the story credibility and it also gives it a firm foundation in terms of backstory. Here are some more examples from literature of the areas and places that will be revealed in a plot outline and need inspiration for their environments. 
We've already mentioned Harry Potter, and that's a great example. If we think about Hogwarts, now within Hogwarts there are individual places. Hagrid's house, the potions classroom, the Gryffindor common room. Each place has its part to play in the story, and each of them needs an environment, an atmosphere, a flavour. And all of the different kinds of research which J.K. Rowling did will have informed those settings. If you think about the Hunger Games, you've got Panem, and within Panem you have the capital, and within the capital you have, for example, a place like President Snow's residence. Again, each of those scenes, each of those settings can be identified through the plot outline and requires the raw material of your research to enrich and enhance it. If we take an example now from film, for start from Star Wars, there's the planet Tatooine, which has its own desert, barren feel to it. But again, we can break that down. We've got the moisture farm on Tatooine and we've also got the spaceport Mos Eisley. Even within Mos Eisley, you've got specific scenes. You've got the cantina, for example, where Luke and Obi-Wan meet Han Solo. So I hope you can see how all of these places are central to the stories. All would be found within a plot overview of that story. All are enhanced by a proper application of the raw material of our research to make them real and authentic and compelling. So I hope you can see how this process works. You take raw material and you take things like the plot framework and some of the answers to the questions that you've asked about your story and you bring them together so that the raw material of your research informs and enhances the setting as you create it. So to summarise, this episode is the first in a series of three looking at how we can apply the raw material of our research both to the story we're writing and to the backstory behind it. In this episode, we've looked at how we can create setting and backstory. In the next episode, we'll apply similar techniques to create characters and their backstory. We've looked at the different sources for our research, focusing on the difference between knowledge-based research and experiential research. We looked at critical questions that we can ask to create the plot and the outline of the story. Things like, what is the story about? And what kind of environment does the story require? Finally, we looked at how we can bring together the research and the raw material of it, the story itself, and the requirements of the environments in that story to really create a rich and immersive setting. So that's all for this episode. Today I have referred to the following works. The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, which is published by Orbit. The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison, which is also published by Orbit. The Middle Earth series by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins. The House of Shattered Wings by Alia de Bodard, published by Galantz. The Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury. The Hunger Games series by Suzanne Collins, published by Scholastic. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which is in the public domain. I've also referred to the Star Wars franchise and I've used the words of Nisi Shaw from episode 60 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. So that's all for now. I'll get some show notes up on Pinterest for this episode. We also have a group on Goodreads. Go to goodreads.com and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt there. Or you can go to my website, andrewjchamberlain.com and drop me a line. I always like to hear from listeners. In the next episode, we'll use the same kind of process to look at how we can create vivid and engaging characters, not only for the story, but also for their backstory. So that's it for now. I hope this has been useful to you. Thank you for listening and goodbye. (music) 